Hey everybody, MatPat here. Pop quiz! If I told you about a 9,000-year-old shark girl named Gargura, would you think that I'm talking about A, the next Godzilla movie sequel that's trying way too hard, B, one of those indecipherable memes from Reddit, or C, a computer-animated character with 4 million subscribers on YouTube? If you knew the answer was C, well then, you're already familiar with the group of creators who call themselves Virtual YouTubers, or VTubers for short. That's what our shark girl is. Today, we're going to be explaining how Gargura and her fellow VTubers are proving that the secret to being authentic online may just involve being radically artificial. Welcome to the first ever episode of Like and Describe, YouTube's official trends podcast. Over the past 12 years, it's been my personal mission to overanalyze all the biggest online trends, from fidget spinners to flossing. And now I'm doing these data deep dives in podcast form. Each episode, you'll join me on a journey to find the little-known stories behind YouTube's biggest trends. I like to describe myself as a silver fox. Uh, more like a silver shark. I have blue highlights, blue eyes, sharp teeth. Very cute if you ask around, uh, but that's just what I've heard. That's a description of Gargura, straight from the shark girl's mouth. The boring definition of VTuber is that they're computer-animated characters brought to life through motion-tracking software that follows the movements of a real human being. The more intriguing reality, though, or I suppose unreality of it all, is that VTubers do everything a typical creator would do. They sing, they play video games, they livestream, they do ASMR and collaborate with each other. The only difference is that they're fully animated characters, usually drawn in the style of Japanese anime, and often coming packaged with elaborate lore, hailing from the halls of Atlantis, as Gargura does, finding powerful magic books, or rising from the ashes of a phoenix. In the last year or so, it felt like my recommendation feed was exploding with dozens of these new virtual faces, and I started to wonder, is that just me, or has something happened to make these animated online avatars become so popular? I knew I needed to hear from my old friend, Ernest Petty, the Trends Insights lead on YouTube's Culture and Trends team. All day, every day, you can find him following and researching global trends, so he knows a thing or two about the online world. And Ernest confirmed that it's not just me. VTubers have, in fact, exploded over the past couple years. Here's Ernest. Despite the fact that VTubers may seem new and novel, they've actually been around for quite a while. If you go back to 2017, which was the first full year of VTubers being in existence, there were about 16 million views of videos related to the topic of VTubers. And the following year, 2018, that number jumped to over 400 million views. And we're at this point now where there are over 1.5 billion views of videos from VTubers every single month. But all these stats left me wondering what drove their recent spike in popularity. I'm assuming 400 million people didn't simultaneously start seeking out VTuber content out of the blue. Ernest says the pop culture industry of Japan has played a major role. Japan has a history of having a very strong corporate pop music machine that generates idols and boy bands and girl groups. And that machinery is really what's behind the VTuber craze. Instead of taking someone off the street and turning them into a pop idol, they can create pop idols out of computer graphic imagery. 
More on that later. But first, Ernest's comment reminded me instantly of Hatsune Miku, a Japanese pop star who also happens to be a digital being. She's a Vocaloid, or voice synthesizer software, represented by a 16-year-old anime girl with long turquoise pigtails. Some of you might recognize this banger, Lucky Orb. In the music video for the song, Miku is dressed in vibrant primary colors and simple shapes. She's the epitome of street fashion in Japan's Harajuku district. I think her recognizable and relatable style is part of why Miku, an animation remember, is able to attract audiences of thousands of real people packing real stadiums, all of them waving glow sticks as her 3D hologram projection performs on stage. But here's the kicker, Miku first emerged in 2007. I mean, that was my sophomore year of college and we were busy watching Chocolate Rain on the weekends. That's when the iPhone first launched. So if she's existed this long, why have animated creators been blowing up so much more recently? A big part of the answer lies in the technology that literally gives life to VTubers, something Joe Hunting is pretty familiar with. Joe is a filmmaker and the director of the documentary We Met in Virtual Reality. He actually showed up to the interview as his avatar, Little Poe, a kind of rosy-cheeked, happy boy scout. When VR first came in, it was, you know, much more primitive. We had 360 video headsets, which just allowed for stationary movement. I can attest. Back in the 90s, the avatars in VR games were blocky, fuzzy graphics. I still remember my first VR experience, going up to the Science Center in Cleveland, Ohio to see their special limited-time VR exhibit. They had this massive rig set up down in the basement, a special stage with railings all around you and a heavy black headset, connected to a tangle of thick wires mounted from the ceiling. I had to wait in line for nearly a half hour just for two minutes inside of this thing. And once I was in, all I saw were massive purple pyramids off in the distance meant to represent mountains. As I looked around, the thing moved at what felt like 10 frames per second. And you know what? It was awesome. I had been inside of a video game. My 11-year-old mind was sufficiently blown. But... Since then, VR brands like Oculus, HTC, and Sony have made huge technical advancements. Characters and environments now look way more realistic. The gear went from those big, beefy headsets to ones that allow for smoother and more realistic head and eye tracking. There are even new controllers that can track your fingers so the avatar waves and points at the same time you do. At the top of the line are full body motion capture or mocap suits, the kind that you find on movie sets. The fanciest systems can cost upwards of $15,000, but there are plenty of more affordable options that can do the trick. Here's Joe walking us through his setup. Right now, I am wearing a headset on my face, a big VR headset, two controllers, and I've got a tracker on my hip, and then also two trackers on my feet that is allowing me full body immersion in this space. All of this cool tech started becoming way more accessible to the public in the 2010s, setting the stage for the current VTuber revolution. If you're wondering where the term virtual YouTuber originated, well, we know exactly who coined it, and we even know the exact date that it was coined, December 1st, 2016. Fittingly, there's a video record of the event. 
That's Kizuna Ai, an anime schoolgirl with long brown hair and blue eyes, introducing herself to the world, and she was something new. But how exactly? There were virtual creators long before Kizuna, so what made her so special? Ernest explains it this way. Kizuna Ai is the first VTuber to be self-aware that she was a, a VTuber. This is the ultimate kind of collapse of the gap between the digital world and the real world. Kizuna didn't just perform or act like a real entity, she was conscious that she was not a real entity, which gave her, ironically enough, more credibility as a creator. Kizuna interacted with her viewers, she made Q&A and discussion videos, and her content got her over 3 million subscribers. But we're just talking about one creator in Japan. How do you go from that to a worldwide phenomenon? Japanese talent agencies like Niji Sanji and Hololife Productions saw an opportunity to grow brands in this new world of virtual entertainers. They started creating and representing VTubers, designing their avatars, developing their backstories, and handpicking the content creators who could captivate an audience. Motoaki Tonigo heads up CoverCorp, which runs Hololife Productions. We reached out to Tonigo through a translator to learn more. We have 71 talent with us, and they're located all over the world. And subscribe to their channels is a collective total of 70 million subscribers. In Japan, we targeted mainly people who liked anime, people who liked video games. And we were able to do that with the overseas market as well. Now with the support of real infrastructure and financing and marketing, the VTuber population started to boom and go global. VTubers sprung up speaking English, Indonesian, Korean, Spanish, even Tagalog. In 2021, Hololife Productions debuted the Holo Council, its second generation of English-speaking VTubers. It got more than 15 million views in its first 10 days. Asian countries are still the dominant birthplace of VTubers, but their fan base is becoming more and more global. I wanted to get a better idea of where all of this VTuber audience growth was coming from, and thankfully Makoto Mayoko was able to share more insights. She's another trend tracker at YouTube, where she keeps watch over Japan's video culture. If we look up videos related to the topic of VTubers, 24% of views came from outside Japan in 2018, but in 2021, 65% of views came from outside Japan. So what she's saying is that in just three years, the percentage of traffic coming from outside Japan almost tripled. Clearly, this isn't just a Japanese phenomenon anymore. There's definitely something appealing about VTubers no matter where in the world you live. And that's really the heart of the matter here. The question of what's so magnetic about creations that are if you want to be cynical, just really cool cartoons. I wanted to learn more about why fans are so crazy about VTubers, especially outside of Japan. So I chatted with Dave Cherry, aka Data Dave, a content creator who joined the VTuber fandom relatively recently. Can you give me a, an idea of kind of the slate of things that you've seen or kind of like the wide range of characters that you've reacted to? Oh, I've seen so, so many. I've seen a demon of the overlord. I've seen a detective. I've seen a shark person. Man, a death reaper that raps. I think the funniest one I've seen is I've seen the toaster. It turns out that Dave first got hooked about a year and a half ago when he came across VTubers who spoke his language, English. 
that makes sense, right? No matter how magical they may seem, it's hard to relate to a character that you can't even understand. But what kept Dave coming back wasn't just the novel wackiness of talking sharks and kitchen appliances, it was the deep backgrounds that came with them. It's the extra layer of the fantasy and the amount of lore that goes behind it. Of course! I mean, even actual human beings don't become real to us until we start to understand their story, where they came from. But here's where things get interesting, where our exploration actually goes a level deeper. The fans are only half the story. Hello, my name is Gargura, and I am an English-speaking VTuber for Hololive. Yep, cue the Jaws music, my friends. Actually, don't, because that'll get us a copyright flag. Anyway, that was her royal sharkiness, Gargura, the most popular VTuber in the world right now. According to her lore, she's more than 9,000 years old, hailing from the lost underwater world of Atlantis. Gar joined us alongside Mori Calliope, the rapping reaper that Dave mentioned. Now, the interesting thing about these VTubers is that the human and the character are one and the same. For example, Gargura describes herself as a silver shark, and she describes her first time singing live for her fans like this. Last time I sang in front of anybody was in front of my mother years ago, and probably against my will. Uh, so I started it up, and next thing I knew, I had 120,000 people watching me sing live from my bedroom, which to this day absolutely blows my mind. Or take Calliope. When asked about herself, she shares her lore that she came from the underworld after learning to be a reaper under the big grim reaper himself. But she decided to quit the reaping business because medical advancements here on Earth were keeping a lot of people alive and hurting business. Instead of incinerating souls in the real world with my scythe, I get to do it through, I guess, stealing people's souls with my music and my gameplays, which I'm, I'm terrible at. And here's why she likes being a VTuber. VTubing kind of offered this unique situation where I can totally unabashedly just be myself and not worry too much about what I look like and I can just do the things that I want to do. If all of that sounds familiar, it's because it's the latest iteration of a reality that's always existed online. Anonymity liberates personal expression. Recently, I did like a live show in the real world, like real human beings came to a live venue. There was, of course, a big screen in front of them. But behind that screen, of course, I was really dancing 100 percent as myself dancing and singing live behind said screen. Here's the rapping reaper living up to her name at that concert. Thought so. Make no mistake, these are killer vibes. I don't take breaks because I'm taking lives. Die by the side of the highest honor. Run a high to stride or goddamn goner. I can play the game by people till I lose it. Rap name stream bulls cry. I'm ruthless. Rap little auto to then abuse it. Two clicks beep boop sounds like music. The value of anonymity online is something I heard come up a lot in the interviews that we did. Data Dave expresses it like this. It's bold to put yourself out on the internet and people can see you all the time. But through an avatar, you're just giving it voice and you're looking how you want to look. It's just that extra comfortability layer so you can feel a bit more safe and protected online having that layer of safety and security. This quality, of course, is all over the internet and YouTube specifically. Are you a fan of the popular gamer Dream? Well, before his big face reveal, he was pretty much the most well-known smiley face in cyberspace. Or how about the deep-voiced creator-musician Corpse Husband, whose avatar has sharp teeth and one animal ear? It's hard to think about the success and appeal of any of these creators without also thinking about their decision to remain anonymous. 
If you think about it, it's a near-perfect symbiotic relationship. The unknown human creator gets to express themselves as they really are, or as they wish to be, the virtual character gets to be hyper-dimensionally awesome, and the fans get to immerse themselves in all the personal details and quirks and lore as deeply as they want, all of it without getting too creepy. And now we're at the part of the story where I, Matt Pat, keen observer of internet trends, stares meaningfully off into the distance and intones, but where is all of this going? Seriously, it's a pretty good question. If you're in your teens or 20s, you know that the digital world and the real world have been blending nonstop for a while now. Your entire lives, even. Ernest puts it this way. We still think of them as separate places, but we spend most of our time online. And, you know... We see each other in, in little boxes more than we see each other in real life. And let me be the billionth person in the world to point out that the COVID pandemic only amplified and accelerated this blending. By now, we've all used a cat filter of some form on a video conference call with a loved one, right? Well, aren't VTubers just taking that idea and elevating it, turning it into a profession? Not convinced? Well, Joe Hunting is here to offer another piece of evidence. So we've already seen pop stars like Casey Perry, Ariana Grande, and Justin Bieber doing big shows in VR and in metaverse scenarios, and they've found a lot of success in that, and people have really responded to it. Celebs are doing it. Musicians are doing it. Heck, even jungle cats who've been hawking cereal for 70 years are doing it. Hey, everybody, it's me, the anthropomorphic tiger, cereal mascot, now VTuber, Tony the Tiger. Will all of this virtualizing change us? Maybe. Probably, but also not necessarily for the worse. Maury Calliope says that being a VTuber has enabled her to grow her music career. Being in Hololive influenced me to get voice lessons and become a singer, and now I'm able to do so much more. I signed to Universal last year, or this year actually, uh, last April, which is nuts. And it's not like VTubers have all the answers either. Turns out, even ancient shark girls and rapping reapers can have anxieties about their next video. You could potentially meet some fantastic friends. You could create a community for yourself. And if you are technologically advanced and you say, I have ideas for this community, please share them. Please share them. We're desperate, please. (laughs) We need them. Please. Hand them over. (laughs) As for me, this little journey amongst the VTubers has given me a lot to think about. And also, worry about. I mean, I've hosted shows for the last 12 years as an actual human being. It feels pretty outdated at this point. Maybe I should just jump ahead of the curve and let an AI deepfake take over. So, while I debate my virtual future, I'll leave you all with a bit of wisdom that I found in a comment thread for one of Hatsune Miku's videos, coming from a fan trying to explain why fakeness is a virtue. English clearly isn't the commenter's first language, but that's actually what gives his point its poetic oomph. Here's the comment coming from Surinat Usawasat Sikorn. People may ridicule Miku for not being real, for the sound being unrealistic, for the animation being too flashy or anything, but that's why you're lucky. You know that virtual singers do not need imitate human singers. You know that animations don't need to imitate reality. You think differently and you have a dream, and that is why you are lucky. Thanks for listening to episode one of Like and Describe, YouTube's first official trends podcast. I'm Matt Pat. You can find out more at yt.be slash like describe. That's yt.be slash like describe. 
We'll be back with new episodes every month. Next time on the show, we're diving into highlights from 2022 and my personal trend predictions for the new year. Like and Describe is produced by Chris Caesar, Brian Farnham, Rachel Pena, Amanda Olszewski, Emily Shaw, Rachel Pilgrim, and Regina Dehir. This episode was edited and mixed by Zach McNeese. Editorial support from Peter Breslow with fact-checking by Myasel Spotted Elk. Japanese translation by Daniel Singer. Special thanks to Kevin Alaka, Ernest Petty, and Makoto Mayoka. Our theme song is by Megan Bagala. See you next time!